Welcome to Whiskey Fit, where we believe every bottle of whiskey has a story to tell. Three guys, one bottle, endless bonding. Here are your hosts, Ryan, Evan, and JJ. Welcome back to Whiskey Fit. This is episode number seven uh, of the, I guess we can call it the guest series now. because Guest season. Guest season. Season, season day guest. guests. Um, <laughs> season day guests. We, we mix some Spanish <laughs> oh, and some English for you there. Spanish. That's, that's all that Marshall University can get you for it. But that is JJ. <laughs> Four semesters of it, baby. Down on the other end of the table is our whiskey nerd. Uh, Say hello. hello. Hello, everybody. It's my turn this time. Jesus. Yes, Ryan's here. And across from us, our <sighs> guest that we have today is Steve Mindrum. Um, full ex- full disclosure to all those out there. I had a brain fart before this. We've known Steve for a couple of years now. He's a member of our gym. I completely blanked on Steve's last name, so we couldn't start the podcast because I'm a dumbass, but that tends to be a regular Tuesday as is. Steve, say hello to us. Yeah, good afternoon. Steve, we're extremely happy that you're with us. Um, what? I don't know why I said with us, but <laughs> what whiskey did you bring for us today? Yeah, I brought a uh, Russell's 10-year. Okay. And this has a little bit of past with us that we'll dive into here uh, in a second. But if we want to kind of pass it around, open it up. It looks like it's a cork top. Oh, yeah. As usual, I'm not going to argue. I am on top of it. 750. It is a 750. But um, are you still the only one that has not? The only one that's brought something other than a 750. I think somebody else did. I believe that's called fiscally responsible. Personally, you brought a handle, asshole. (laughs) Steve, um, as we're pouring this out, if you would give us a little bit of background on yourself. Sure. I guess my uh, 60 second. Bio, um, had a great childhood, but grew up very modestly. Uh, so I had two pairs of pants and three shirts. So did my brother and we'd get picked on, which motiv- motivated me at 12 to start lifting weights. Um, and so on, uh, neither my father or brother graduated from high school. Um, albeit, you know, my dad was in a great union job. And uh, my brother's got a great story, as he's probably far more successful than I am. Uh, but huh. he didn't graduate high school. Didn't graduate high school. That's awesome. Um, went to the University of Minnesota, got a degree in genetics and cell biology. Tried to work in a, a molecular biology lab till one day we were doing a DNA distraction. And, oh, I needed to balance the centrifuge because I just had one tube. So, oh, all right, I'll fill the other one with water, spin them. I didn't label which tube had <laughs> which one had water, and which, which one had DNA. DNA. <laughs> so, all right, it, you know, doing that extraction has phenylchloroform. So, you know, pop it open and smell it. Oh, oh my God. Just about passed out. Realized maybe science wasn't the best path for me. So, I switched to the dark side and went to sales. Um, that is a fail. I'm sorry, but that's, that's fantastic. <laughs> you chloroformed yourself. <laughs> Oh. So you switched to sales. Sorry, keep going. All the, all the kids are doing it. Yeah. So I so I switched to sales, and uh, didn't really know what I was doing. Were you but sober? Yes. Oh. Yeah. I didn't drink till much later in life. Okay. Um, but uh, worked my tail off. Caught on with the right company at the right time. Uh, worked my way up from sales rep to um, uh, sales manager director of sales, and then uh, eventually their youngest uh, vice president of sales. During that six years, took the company from $12 million to $45 million. 
and also went back and got an executive MBA from a top 25 school, um, University of Utah. Go um, Utes. Yeah, go Utes. Um, from there, bounced around a bit because folks would go, hey, can you do that again? Sure. And so they moved us back to Minnesota for a turnaround project for two years, then got recruited um, to Dallas um, for a manufacturer that was in protein crystallography, cryo storage, and small benchtop equipment. Um, had an expense... Had an expensive lesson where I was an equity partner in a um, joint venture in um, the Netherlands. And it's like a bad joke. You know, what could go wrong with a Chinaman, a Dutchman, and an uh, American in business things? In, in the Netherlands? <laughs> yes. Oh, that, I mean, I, uh, that sounds awesome. Yeah. Uh, no, it didn't go well. An expensive lesson. Ah. Um, but um, <laughs> yeah. And presently, I got recruited from there. Um, for kind of a turnaround project, my current place. So I'm executive vice president uh, at Midsci, um, where we're a lab pure play distributor. So lab supplies. Is that uh, when you were doing that when during the whole COVID stuff, right? Or is that was that the the, the Chinaman? The, the that happened. Okay. Ten, twelve years ago. Okay. Um, but uh, no. So on the lab supply, you know, reagents, consumables, equipment. Uh, albeit my father, good man, still doesn't know what I do. It's like, oh, it's pharmaceutical. I'm like, mm, not really. Oh, medical device. Not necessarily. <laughs> lab supplies, Dad. So are you, I got you. <laughs> in a in a. It's awesome what you do, and it's fascinating to listen to you. In a very oversimplification, oversimplification, have you become now a shark to go into companies to help them revitalize themselves? So usually it's a small family-owned business that needs help. So I guess you'd call me the fixer. So sure. I come in, we turn it around. You're the then, Pulp Fiction guy that then, shows up in a Lamborghini. Oh, yeah. And then we sell it. Um, and then I go on to the next. Good for you. Very awesome. Okay, so back to the whiskey. All right. Um, why did you bring this Russell's tenure? Yeah, Um Kind of like wine. You can spend a lot of money on a bottle of wine, but I think the trick is if you find something that tastes really well or something that you really like, you, you can find a great $15 bottle of wine that tastes every bit as good as a $100 bottle of wine. And for, for me, Russell's, in terms of a good bourbon, fits that. That price point that we always talk about. Yeah, what is like that, Ryan? 35 or 40 bucks is right? Yeah. Well, oh, inflation, yeah. not inflation. Yeah. yeah, sure. <laughs> it used to be, used to be 30. Bit, you know? yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, then not to like, didn't uh, oh, Blanton's used to be that oh, too? Okay. No, I'm sorry. Didn't Blanton's, mm -hmm. Blanton's used to be like 35, yeah. $40? Yeah. So. Well, yeah. And it, I mean, it actually still is MSRP. If you look at the, yeah. on the manufacturer's side, I mean, that's the MSRP of it. Right. They just don't sell it for that. But. Well, I know it's, I don't know, personally, it's pretty delicious. Yeah, it's super delicious. And so. I said it has some history with us because Steve, who is a member at our gym, and uh, as part of some of our functions at night, Steve has brought the, brought this to our gym before. We've all tasted it now, albeit some of us have tasted it past the, the point of yeah. taste buds working. Yeah. Um, so I, I can't recall about. it great, but tasting it now, I mean, it's not – remember, I'm the bad one with palate mm – -hmm. Not too harsh. Doesn't have a whole lot of burn. What's the proof on it? 
Do we standard 90? 90 or 92 ish, I believe. So, I mean, I catch some cinnamon yeah. and that's about it. I mean, cinnamon and, and some good sweet. I mean, it's a pretty. Yeah, 90. 90. Yeah. It's an easily drinkable yeah. uh, bourbon. I don't know about y'all. I'm going to piss JJ off because I, yeah, I taste it. I taste uh, caramel in there. See, I got more cinnamon on this yeah, one. Yeah, oh, that's good. I Something taste caramel some, in there. Uh, <laughs> little vanilla. Little vanilla. Okay. Yeah. Heck yeah. But it's good. It's super smooth. It is. It, this is the tenure, like he said. I don't even want to put it on ice because uh, it's it's that easy yeah, to drink right now. So, okay. Going back, kind of back to Steve here. And you obviously are incredibly successful, but I want to gravitate to back to you said your early childhood around 12 years old. You were like, hey, I'm going to hit the gym. Uh, for, obviously, we don't have uh, photos or videos going on. Steve is a very well in shape mid 50s. Early fifties. Early fifties. Oh. I apologize. See, these are the questions you asked beforehand, asshole. No, nope, that's no, no. why because I want these yeah. reactions. These are organic. Now, can we go? Can we revisit our conversation a couple weekends ago before you move on? Yes, because so, I would love yeah, their. So, so this is actually brain. a great angle. Yes. So let's. Yeah. So I got in an argument yes. with my wife one night. Highly contested conversation. It was an incredibly. An you don't argue with your wife. She wins all of them. I don't know. It was a highly contentious argument because <laughs> on the drive to go see Ryan and his family, my wife is about to turn 30 all right, and I am 35. And I made the statement without getting too far into it that her and I, me specifically, have entered middle age. And she was prepared to fight me, not because she took it as a insult, but because she believed that middle age didn't. That was not middle age. Middle age was 40 to 60s. And what I, my response, very analytical brain, not near as smart as the people at this table, said, look, if the average lifespan of a human is 77 years old, I know it's a little younger for males, it's a little older for females, the middle third of your life is like 27 to 60 or 27 to 55. If you go all the way up to 90, the middle third of your life is 30 to 60. So you might want to, you might want to check your math. Well, <laughs> so, first, like, so there's a problem with that. Is it lifespan or health span that we're talking about for middle age? See, that's a great angle that we did not discuss. We so, just, we just spoke age. We, just, we were, spe- just we were thinking strictly age and we said middle age. I, I said, like look, middle span. age is like 30 to 50. Middle aged, yes, but is your age your health or? And this is a whole fitness. But then that would fast too. forward it forward. No, that would make it that would make it later. So, like your health, your health age is probably a hell of a lot younger than your forty. Sure, right, forty three. Well, yeah, same diff. Your forties and that type of stuff. You're thirty five. Okay, it, your health age is younger than your thirty five. Okay, so but your is health saying, age okay. real is that real science or is that just no? That's so Peter. Peter no, that one's uh, what's <laughs> in the book that Peter Atia, MD. So he talks about that stuff in in a lot of his books. It's it's more of like that health span versus your age span. So you like you can be healthy up until your last three days and then die, right? Like stuff just takes you out, or you could be healthy until you're 35 and then you're fucking struggling until you're 70 and you die. Okay, so, so sure. Wait, like, anyway, roll it back we, in. We roll it. Sorry, we yeah. we dove down to it. <laughs> you all fucking started you, that you, shit. The whole idea, just because you're, we should have asked Adrian on episode six about this as well. Uh, your thoughts on me saying thirty five is middle age at this point? Yeah, I'd agree with your wife. It's more forty to fifty. I think. Okay. All right. <laughs> so it's only so then it is the word middle age or the term middle age 
is not properly used because it's not a term of measurement because middle is not, it's not median or, or outside of COVID we're still increasing the slower at a much slower pace, but better living through modern chemistry. Right. Um, it's Have like, we well, crossed the threshold so there, of 80? So there's even some debate on that part of it. It's like if you take out all the infectious diseases and antibiotics and things like that and then trauma that we've slowed down and stopped, our age hasn't – our, our age of death, that median age type stuff, hasn't changed since the 1920s. Oh, it has. Uh, okay. <laughs> this is great. This is great. Uh, and if you want to get really deep, there's yep. a lot of current research. A big uh, trend right now is uh, – Apoptosis, which mm-hmm. is programmed cell death. Uh, okay. I won't nerd out too much, but there's two schools of thought. Eventually, I don't know if it will happen in our lifetime, but they'll figure out how to arrest it through gene therapy or antisense or whatever mechanism they Essentially use. Essentially stopping aging. So you would so be a perennial 24-year-old body-wise, but still have the wisdom of bar that of disease or getting hit by a bus. So the, sure. the thought process, though, is – do you want to stop apoptosis? Because that's just like the senescence of cells is what keeps us young. Like that, that, that if you can keep your telomeres longer, if you can, if you can stop, if you can actually increase the, the, the cells. Yeah. He started it. Maybe we talk this that afterwards, but. I, hey guys, this is just so, good. This like, is organic conversation. I understand. Right apoptosis just, though, like here. that's, that's like. If you don't kill off the cancer cells. So that's the program cell death. The telomeres you speak of is a different thing where the the, genes are getting shorter. That's the protective. Yeah, the the, the exons, introns, exons, part of the gene. Right. So if – I'm getting out of my – he's he's got me on the genetic side. But it's – I would say so. Yeah, I get it. But 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 cancer is the apoptosis not happening. Correct. Right. So, but stopping apoptosis means you're not stopping cancer from forming. Provided the cells still function properly. So, cancer is when it just grows out of control without reason or purpose. If it, um, if it's controlled, but your hair cells are still hair cells, your eye cells are still eye cells, and it's not just a malignant right. growth, that's cancer. Right. But then to, to keep the, the, from chromosomes from keep splitting and doing all that stuff and doing that, don't you have to kill them off occasionally to do that? That's what apoptosis is supposed to be doing. Right. But that's you the reason could, why it's there. Right. But you could control it in theory. Okay. Right. That's why, you, do it, you know, maybe 50, 60, 70 years from now, we might be able to do it. Like um, you said in our, well, you said in our lifetime, uh, I'm hoping to live at least another 60 years yeah, here, guys. Come yeah, on. Yeah. Possibly. I don't know if it'll happen in our lifetime, but then it will pose a very interesting social question between yeah. science and church. Yeah. But. I'd, we're getting way too deep into That's the fine. weeds. Are we though? <laughs> Look, we're all just we're headed towards the Disney movie uh Wally. That's all we're headed towards right now. How do you get that? This guy knows. He's got the two young kids. This guy knows. That's the it's one with, robot one. It's the one where we all end up just sitting in chairs staring at screens all the time and we get super, super fat. Oh, and I, the world yeah, goes I, already that I thought it was Terminator and AI that's gonna end this. <laughs> also that, could be that as well. Yeah. So all right. Completely back on track. That's one of our bigger rabbits we've ever chased. So at 12 years old, Steve, you were like, I need to start hitting the weight room. I need to start hitting the gym and getting better. You come from a very modest family. Is that what triggered you also to then dive into this incredibly dense field as far as knowledge goes? I mean, this isn't something that you just out of nowhere, I'm going to study genetics. Um. I found it a lot easier to get through school because I was not a good high school student at all. Um, but I found it a lot easier to study if it was something you had interest in. 
And that interested me because it wasn't like history that had already happened, not to poo-poo that, or accounting or whatnot. This is more so looking forward, uh, and I found fascinating. So You just ended up taking off on it. Yeah, so I, I enjoyed that till I realized, yeah, it's, being a scientist was probably not big uh, for me. When I went back uh, and got my MBA, um, that was really eye-opening where um, I worked for a great company that allowed me to apply some of the principles mm -hmm. to like, hey, they were talking about this. Can we try this? So the good part of that was um, my boss at the time was very receptive and we tried it and it worked. Bad news is it pissed off all of my other colleagues that were much older than me because the VP of finance didn't like me treading on his turf or the VP of operations treading on their turf or marketing. Um, so there was a fair amount of acrimony um, that I was blind to. Um, sure. You know, but Growth is hard. I mean, growth, growth is not fun a lot of times. Uh, it's generally got some pain that brings to it. So you, I, we know you all fair. So we know you have a beautiful family. You met your wife in the North. Did you meet her? When, when did you meet your wife in this whole thing? Yeah, I met my wife. Um, she had just graduated high school and albeit we had lived in the same neighborhood, but didn't know each other. Cause there's a four year age difference. Sure. I, I got five you, years. I trust yeah. you can appreciate I get it. that. I get it. Uh, and she came walk and she worked. I worked at the grocery store. And she worked at the hardware store right next to each other, but we didn't know each other. Hmm. An acquaintance of hers that she went to high school with um, kind of had designs on me, but I set her up with a friend of mine. And one day, as she's chatting with me, uh, my wife, Kristen, walks by, my now wife, and uh, says hi to this gal who's right next to me. And I'm like, well, who's that? Because <laughs> you can repay that favor because I'd really like to get to know this person. Uh, and four years later, best sales job of my life. <laughs> Isn't it She's for all wife. of us? I mean, yes. it's, it's best job. I mean, hope she hears that. Best sales job I've ever done. Um, I still don't know how I, I way out kicked my coverage. I'll agree on that. Uh, so you meet up in Minnesota? or Up, up in Minnesota, yeah. Because that's where y'all are from. And then you end up Correct. migrating down... You just eventually start coming further and further south, correct? Uh, so we went from Minnesota. I got promoted at the first place where I went to the dark side of sales. I uh, got promoted to VP of sales, so they moved us out to Utah right. for six years. Then the um, company was sold, got recruited back to Minneapolis, turnaround project for two years, and then uh, came down to Dallas. Um, How long ago was that? How long ago was that? For Dallas? Mm -hmm. 10 years. So you've got to experience a lot of cultures, if you were, or ge geographical areas. Are you, is Dallas the pinnacle? Are you happy here? Or do you want to go somewhere else? Well, happy wife, happy life. So that's a, a ongoing conversation. There you go. Um, ideally we have two homes. Mm -hmm. We both stay together, <laughs> but we just toggle back and forth. Just for clarification out there, guys. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So sometimes like a, you got to make this. Yeah. <laughs> that, that needs to be said. Sometimes. Uh, a beach house. And then I know she's still fond of Minnesota, which is beautiful in the summer and fall, which is all of six weeks. But um, that, that whole two weeks in July. <laughs> that's okay. Very, very cool. And then you're, you've got the two uh, kiddos who it sounds like spend a majority of their life, at least half of their life down in Dallas. 
do they, one of them, both of them went to school in the region, in the area. Do they want to eventually go back north or do they want to stay down here? Yeah. My, my son uh, likes Texas and sees great opportunity in Dallas. Uh, my daughter's more the, I need my independence. So she's keen on either going back to Minnesota or, or somewhere else. Uh, but I should share, I do have one good story from our six years in Utah. Do it. Um, we lived in a suburb of that was, I mean, there's a dominant religion mm-hmm. there, as you know. Mormon. They're yep. fun. Yep. I enjoy the Mormons. And, and I, I thought I was being funny when the neighbor ladies would call and ask, hey, is your wife there? And I would say, which one? <laughs> That's not real. No That's, way. That oh. actually happens? Oh, yeah. It's a little more on the outskirts because it's more the fundamentalists and, and whatnot. Dude, it happened in Texas like five years ago. What's Where were you? Eight years ago, ten, uh, ten years and ago. And so as I'm still, thinking, it's really funny. Yeah, I didn't they think it was very funny. No, dead silence. <laughs> <laughs> so as much as it's, you know, hey, I was at least figuring someone would knock on my door to convert me. Sure. <laughs> it's one thing to get to know me and not like me. I get it, right? Yeah. But from afar, really? Not once. Not at all. Not <laughs> once did they come well, and it's, try. Well, it's Utah. They think everybody's converted. Uh, they knew. Okay, I yeah. Know. So all of my friends growing up, I grew up like they call them stakes, and it like I grew up in a like in the city, quote unquote, the non incorporated area in West Virginia where I grew up. All of my friends were Mormons. They all did the same stupid shit I did: drink bourbon and drink beer and chase squirrels and do all that stuff. But so they're all kind of Jack Mormons. But like I understand the intricacies of that church because I played church ball with them. So I want to roll somewhere. That I'm I'm Mormon, yeah. Jack because Mormon, I play church that's, ball. That's not a term I've heard in a while. Yeah, but it's a it's a real that's one. A first for me, I have yeah. Jack. You Jack right at me when you said, uh, I was like, oh, yeah. Jack oh, Daniel, like Jack Daniel Mormon. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. not what it is. Okay, that, that makes sense. Well, clarification. Now. Okay, so man, we this has been great because we've chased so many different avenues here. First of all, while we're doing this, yeah, because it's melted a bunch on ice. What do we got here before I ask the next question? I, I I mean I like I liked it neat and I can and will drink it neat. Uh, it's it's way better on ice. It's uh, super smooth. I think that little cinnamony that was in there that you guys talked about that I you know tasted a little bit. I guess smoothed that part out. But that that I mean that caramel is it's super super sweet now. So I like it. Yeah, I know. It's I don't know, whole, Steve. This is season. your this is your baby. Iced. What what do you what do you got? Uh, I normally drink it on the rocks. Um, but, uh, either way is pretty good. I mean, just in terms of a not incredibly expensive bourbon that tastes well, it's, it's my favorite. So I, I'll, when we do the, the homeless man and, and millionaire, mm, I'll oh. give a little bit, but it's very refreshing. Like this is, it's, it's been great both ways. Very refreshing. I think it loses a little bit of its taste personally. Uh, but yeah, I'd drink the heck out of this if, if, uh, it was available. Agree. I personally, I like it a little better. Like just a hint. I think it's like a splash. It's one of those like take the splash of water and do that type of stuff. Maybe cool it off a little bit. But um, it, like Ryan said, it just smooths out the the burn of the cinnamon. Um, but I still catch those cinnamon undertones on the back end of it. I like it. I like it. On, I like it on rocks a little bit better. It's a little smoother for me. Nice. So <clears throat> I got to ask Steve because I'm always fascinated. I, for those of you that can't or haven't picked up on it, Steve's an incredibly driven person. Um, if you can't tell by his success in his professional life, Steve is also, if, correct me if I'm wrong, you've competed on stage before. 
or you've at least attempted to be shred down into some sort of bodybuilding things of that nature. Can you can you talk to me about that a little bit here? Sure. That that was a life goal for a number of years to do um, more of a physique competition, and it's nice that that's gained more popularity than bodybuilding because I could never get that big. Mm-hmm. Um, those guys are just enormous. Um, and we all have our insecurities. So albeit as much as I do the NFX CrossFit and professional programming, I go to lifetime and, uh, I do more physique, uh, sure. things. Uh, I have yet to have the courage to step on stage. However, it is nice to show up at the pool and at 52 yeah. be all right with the, I feel great about I yourself. Feel. Yeah. Yeah. No, it makes complete. What I think you may have alluded to it with the insecurities thing. What ultimately said, "Hey, I want to kind of go into the physique and chase that and chase that that whole avenue." Uh, so that predated even when I found CrossFit. Uh, I was always kind of just fascinated. I was a little bit lucky. Um, so when I was, my parents wouldn't let me lift weights until I was twelve. They, okay. they feared it would stunt my growth. Um, I'm not a scientist and the least smart person at this table, but I can say that that has been debunked, <laughs> heavily been debunked. Of course. And when I started working out, it wasn't at a gym. It was the plastic-filled concrete weights, Hell sand yes. weights, yeah. you know, in the basement. Yeah, the gray ones. Um, but I, I, I don't know if it was puberty or, or what, but my body responded uh, immediately um, to that. And, of course, it, as I think anyone knows, if all of a sudden you get – pretty good results, then it's, it's like a snowball. So then it's easier to kind of stick with it and do it. Um, so shoot, when I was in high school and in my young twenties, a lot of folks would point the finger and go like, Oh, you're, you're, you're on roids and whatnot. And I just kind of smile cause I knew I wasn't. Um, but it's a uh, flattering feeling in a way. I mean, there's a, a decent amount of hard work that goes into it. And I'm mindful of my diet, uh, to a degree with, I mean, if, if we don't talk about the bourbon, we don't, um, <laughs> or the wine, we don't talk about the bourbon yeah, or the wine. That's fine. Jesus, it's, everybody can, you know, just says I'm the one that's on says the about JJ yeah. too. Yeah. So then physique, I mean, I, so Ryan comes from yeah, fireman, you know, comes from a high intensity background. JJ, I honestly don't know why JJ joined CrossFit to be hundred percent honest. Somebody that comes from the physique side, what made you then just bump into CrossFit and be like, I'm going to go do this CrossFit thing? Yeah. So my kids had soccer practice at Blue Star. Okay. Sky. Huh? Blue, Blue Sky. Sky. Excuse yeah. me. Yes. Yeah. I'm still and, stuck and, in that and that is a run from my house. And uh, during that chapter of our life, uh, my son would have practice Monday for two hours. My daughter would have it for Tuesday for two hours. And driving them, I would go past a, a CrossFit and I was like, Oh, let me check that out. And I was initially kind of intimidated because the only thing I had seen was like the games. Sure. I'm like I think I'm in pretty good shape, but Holy crap. Um, so I got into a rhythm where I started uh, was, you know, I would drop my kid off. I'd go and I'd take a class and it was perfect timing. And then I'd go pick him up and uh, come back. Cause I wasn't uh, in high school. I was a, very good, but not quite great athlete. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I did soccer, wrestling, and track. If I was was a pretty strong kid, but not the strongest. And I was a pretty fast kid, but not the fastest. And CrossFit, you were an above-average athlete. Yeah, but CrossFit kind of had that nice blend of, oh, you can do 
cardio and lift some weight. So I'm like, oh, that kind of seems like my jam. And and I think I was I did it for the first week or two, and I'm like, I am hooked. <laughs> so we've already established you're quite intelligent, and you you've got a background in at least we'll call it. Um, I don't even know the best way to describe it, but you understand the human body, fitness, physiology. Well, I don't even. Physiology. Yeah, physiology. I guess is you got a background in. It's been argued so often for the last how long has CrossFit been around now, Ryan? Two thousand ish. Two thousand so twenty some odd years that CrossFit may be more detrimental than it is positive. Although I have listened and read recently that that's starting to turn the corner. Finally, people are starting to acknowledge it. From someone that comes with your wealth of knowledge, how did you, did you view CrossFit, and then how do you view CrossFit now that you've continued to do it? Yeah, both the same. So I believe CrossFit is uh, really good functional fitness. I mean, that's, I mean, the whole definition of it. The only hiccup is our own egos and attitudes where we try and push ourselves where we might get hurt or whatnot. Cause you can't, you can't compete every day. Mm. So you can move and whatnot, but if you're looking to compete, you need to know how to peak at the right time and so on. Just keep looking at him when you talk, but uh, Just keep looking at him and talk. Um, you know, just checking that ego at the door yeah. and just know that, you know, today's today might not be a heavy day. Today might not be a PR day, but, you know, the little whiteboard that I know sucks everybody in. Mm. Um, that's unfortunately, we're our own worst enemies. Uh, There's no question. That. That's my view. I I appreciate that. And I appreciate I like to talk to people that have been in it and that people that study kind of physiology or genetics for your standpoint, anybody that is well-versed in the human body, I like to get their thought process on it because I've yet to run into somebody that actually understands the human body that can come up with a reason to be heavily against it. Generally, it falls around exactly what you said, which is your ego gets in your own way. So that's why JJ does CrossFit. That's actually like, like I swear to God, like I looked at it, I thought it was effing stupid. Like this shit that I saw. I love that you just censored yourself on effing, and I think we've already dropped seven f bombs. Yeah, like I'm trying, man. There's a. I look over and I hear a baby over there. Like it's just. I I try sometimes. No. All right, shut up. She hears that. So, um, I let's. I've told the story a hundred times. It's. I looked at all the CrossFit gyms, and all of them said, "All right, this is what it is." And I I went and talked to a couple. Was like, "All right, you're doing this late. Wait." I'm like, "That I haven't lifted in five years." That would hurt me. It's like, well, just scale it. I'm like, well, what should I scale it to? Because I don't have a clue. I haven't done this lift. I haven't done a snatch in 20 years. I haven't done a clean in 10 years. So, and when Ryan was posting on Instagram all of the the workouts, and it was like, all right, so this is the RX. This is level four, three, two, one. I'm like, oh, I could do one. That makes sense. All right, so. That type of idea back in the day, and then now that you've taken over, it's all percentage based. Like that even makes better sense. So it's uh, I'll go do that because I have a like the it takes the ego out of it. It's like shit. I can do L one, so to speak. We're evolving. We're we're continuing to better. So Steve, I asked this question to now multiple people on different episodes. You're incredibly successful. You come from a you've already established come from a very modest background. You have created a life for your offspring that is different than what you went through. 
as a young father, I've got a two-year-old and a three-month-old. How did you handle that? I know what I come from, I being you, but you are also trying to protect them and that dynamic of you were able to give them almost anything that they needed at any point. And, but you came from something different. How did you handle that as a father? Yeah, it's a uh, delicate line uh, to walk um, because as much as I didn't want my kids to be in a situation where they'd get picked on for whatever clothes they wore, whatnot, um, but you need to earn what you're going to get. So, you know, part of our deal with our kids was, you know, we'll, we'll pay for some of your college, but you've got skin in the game too. So, albeit we... Could we pay for all their college? Sure. But we're not going to. They have to contribute. And I think there's big value um, in that. I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have became the person I am and not, and this isn't meant to glad hand, but my father had an incredible work ethic and made it clear that if you want something, you got to go work hard for it, uh, which I'm super appreciative of because a lot of my friends growing up, or just, you know, they didn't have sure. to work very hard. What's the line you like to always say? I know you love to come back to it, that hard men, uh, hard men make uh, – what is it? What is come it? on, don't screw it up. Hard, hard men make good times. Good times make weak men. Weak men make hard times. Hard men. It's cyclical. It's cyclical, yeah. And it's, and it's incredibly tough and um, – I yeah, think I my uh, this is the most political like I two know. podcasts in a row now. He's I can't talking, believe he let me bring that in. Like he's throwing little know, little like, like for the peanut gallery out, out there. I feel surprise. for the peanut gallery out there. I feel like I have not said anything political. I've just had life lessons here, and we're talking about real estate. There are very much political minded things in this sociology of today. Last how, episode, you tried to suck me into San Francisco politics and conversations and stuff. If well, that's how you guys yeah. would like to take it, I was just trying to get some parental advice from uh, from our friend Steve here. Dude, Steve. He's, he's poking the bear, man. Um, man, it's <laughs> this is this has been great. And you and JJ, I'm sorry to have stopped y'all from y'all's conversation because that was going to be deep and it was going to be epic. Um, but we finish each podcast the same way. You have about 45 seconds to a minute to our last guest, chose one or the other that sure, was very yeah, new that was different, that was different. uh a homeless man millionaire and you're talking specifically about your whiskey what would you tell that person either the homeless man or the millionaire about that whiskey so for me it'd be the same message to both because you treat everyone the same um but uh it's not about how much you spend it's what you get out of it so for me, you know, hey, this is my $100 bottle of bourbon that I can get for 35 So Have fun following that up again, man. We've had two really yeah, good ones, I man. Swing in the two here. Uh, it, it, you know, I, I would talk to either person and say the same thing. I mean, it, it's, a, it's crazy how inexpensive it is um, for the taste of it. And so like, you know. As far as price compared to value in this is just, it's super impressive on how, on how good it is. And uh, I don't remember the 10 year. I think the time that we've had 10 years at the gym that you brought up this one specifically, I think what Evan said earlier, I think I was probably way too inebriated already to even remember it. Cause I, I've had the six year and remember the six year being good. Uh, and the six year is more expensive, I believe. And this is way better. So 
Because I think the six year is like a single or a small batch reserve or something. And I think it's more expensive. This is super tastier. So, yeah. I, I got nothing to add. This one's delicious. Like it should be in everybody's cabinet if you're a bourbon aficionado. I'm in all positive. The thing that pops in my head is when I watch movies and specifically like what pops in my head is Charlie Wilson's War. Really love that movie if you never watched it. That's good. Um, so you see in movies when some like a, the man of the house, um, this is not a sexist thing, but the man of the house comes home and it's like, I need a drink. And he just gets his, what, what's the, it starts with a C decanter that gets the decanter and, and, uh, pours himself a drink on neat and then just starts like guzzling the whiskey. And I always look at that and I go, there's no way that I could do that with guzzling whiskey. I think honestly, if I had this in my decanter and I poured it after the end of the day, neat with no ice, I probably could gulp that two or three times. Um, it's great, neat. It's great ice, but that's the first one neat that I'm like, yeah, I could, I could pour that in rock and roll even on a fresh day. So the wild turkey, that's the distillery. That's probably a big part of it too, mm. which is really interesting. Is that I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's yeah. fun. Russell's are their last name. That the father and son that own that distillery are. Yeah, Jimmy Russell's Jimmy the master Eddie. distiller. Yeah, Jimmy and Eddie Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey is the Look, distillery. We're in a full circle with Evan yeah, over go. here. His yeah. Wild Turkey 101. It was delicious. Back to the the, the plastic bottle. I wanted to. I wanted brought. to wait to the to the end. That, that was well played because I didn't I thought, know that. I thought that would be special. Yeah, well played. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome, Steve. Thank you, man. It's been awesome. Um, you made jj struggle a little bit which yeah. really kind of made things awesome so we really appreciate you being really on uh and That's we nice. enjoyed the whiskey uh, so thank you so much for being on it man a pleasure being here thank yeah. you thank you steve thanks guys see y'all next time